a musical adventure. New artists, new musicians, and everyone involved in the world of music. Live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is J-Rod Concerts the Podcast with your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Let's find out what we have this episode. Well, if it isn't my favorite audience in the world, how is everybody doing? Welcome to a beautiful new episode of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. This is your host, this and every episode, Jamie Rodriguez, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. And a couple of housekeeping items, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, um, we some of you may be aware from our socials, we have a new team member. Her name is Isabella Vantrees, and she is um, helping us out with a bunch of stuff. And one of the things is she's launching a new show where she talks to people about um, the classic records that inspire them. It's called The New Classic. So stay tuned to our socials for that. You can follow it at New Classic Pod and uh, on our, you know, on our socials, J-Rod Concerts Media, of course. And today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, is a favorite. Wow, what a soul, what an artist. Been meaning to have him on the show for a long time. He's a staple in Nashville and around the world. Robbie Hecht, ladies and gentlemen. And he's releasing a new album, Not a Number, April 12th. But Robbie has been captivating audiences as a touring singer-songwriter for over two decades. He combines impactful songwriting that reminds you of Tom Waits or Jim Croce with graceful vocal resonance of James Taylor. He's got a remarkable blend of insightful lyricism, memorable melodies, and a voice that carries both strength and tenderness. His music, guys, is going to resonate with all of you. If you don't know him, he just makes you all the fields. So you guys are really going to love him. His music has been the soundtrack of many journeys, over 25 million streams to date. And he's got more than 60 songs recorded by other artists. Um, so he's uh, he's very respected, very renowned, and you all are going to love him. And there's a special, special performance of one of his songs here at the end. So stay tuned for that. So let's get on with it. Robbie Heck on J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. <laughs> Well, well, well. Hello. This is exciting. Yeah. You great. you look so great, Robbie Heck. Look at you. Look at you. You got that like a real like window in the background. It is a real window. Yes. <laughs> R- Robbie, what is your secret to always looking 24, 25 years old? Always. It's this yeah. Evermore Nest hat. Check out it, Evermore Nest. It's unbelievable. Like like you get you seven hours, like you do yoga. Like I mean it. You always look great. Uh, I sometimes do yoga. Today I woke up too late. Yeah, I was gonna ask you because you know I know that you're like a late night musician. I've seen you in places around town at you know twelve one, but here you are. You know we're taping this in the morning. Um, are you um basically did you stay up all night or or, or like what was the situation? Yeah. No, I went to bed at like ten thirty or whatever. You know, actually that's not true. I went to bed at midnight. That's pretty late, right? Yeah, I think so. For a, yeah, for a 45-year-old man. I went to bed at midnight. I got up at 7.30, and then I was just really slow. Man, I tell you, Robbie, you got to forget about this uh, music business and just write about health and how to look youthful. <laughs> Maybe do a little, you know? Uh, I think you, I think you, I think that's where the real money is. Yeah. I did eat a bowl of keto cereal this morning because it was on sale at Kroger the other day, and it was like I was like, this is my chance to know what this tastes like, and it wasn't. it's not very good. Not very good. But I got a protein-packed breakfast. I love it. I love it, Robbie Heck. Well, you know, we've been listening um, to your upcoming LP, 
not a number out April 22nd. And man, Robbie, it makes my head spin. The songwriting, the guitar, uh, the great work from Anthony DaCosta. I mean, everything. But but I got to tell you, Robbie, you're so well regarded as a songwriter. But I've been watching some of your videos on YouTube and I don't think people realize how good of a guitar player you are. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Been, uh, depends what you're asking me to do, but... Like, whenever I see this list, you know what I mean? Like, best Nashville guitarists, they never include you, and I think you should be. You know? Oh, my I God. It, maybe it's because when people think of guitarists, they think of people who can shred, as opposed to, you know, what kind of finger rings you're doing on the neck or what chords you're playing. You, you know what I mean? But, nah, you're really good. Yeah, I can do a pretty good job of, of sounding good on the guitar when there's no one else involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's just me, and it's only set against my own self. I can do some stuff. And the finger-picking stuff is nice. I've been, like, kind of digging into that since I was 19 or whatever. So I, that that feels really natural when I'm just playing, when I'm just finger-picking by myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. How many guitars do you have, Robbie? Um, I have two. I have a Martin and a Gibson. Uh-huh. And I have a Shanti that I won in a contest in 2010. And then I have... This one that's it's like a Gretsch, but it says like Wild West Sweethearts on it, and it's red. Yeah, one's that I've got that one. That, that's like you know, it's like half a guitar. It's like it was like two hundred bucks <laughs> years ago, but I've written a lot of songs on it. So, so that I think that counts. That's really it. I've got two electrics in, uh, in the living room. I've got a, I've got a, a Telecaster copy and a and a Jaguar. Um, yeah. You see what I'm saying? You're you're like a guitar, like kind of badass. People, I don't think you get enough credit. That's gonna be my crusade going forward. You know, gosh. Okay. But but Robbie, let me get this straight because I love your story in so many ways. But you know, folklore says that you first fell in love with the you know potential of emotional music. You know, you grew up in Knoxville, and you were kind of like listening to like top forty pop, and um, you know, you didn't really know how to talk to girls. But Aerosmith comes on the radio, Angel. And you tried to dedicate that to a girl, but it kind of backfired, right? Is that how it goes? Yeah, because I, I didn't really get that. Like, the song that you dedicated had to be one that was like in rotation at that time. Though I think Angel had come out like two years earlier, so I, I thought it was definitely like came out in the '80s, and this was like '91 probably. So yeah, so they didn't say like, "No, you can't do that." They were like, "Sure, sure." And then uh, Paul and I used like full names, you know, and then. Uh, and then I just kept waiting for it and waiting for it. And then the very end, they played, I think it was Vision of Love. It was definitely a Mariah Carey song. Okay. Listen, oh, all the ones they hadn't gotten to yet. So it was like 75 dedications. And then they played Vision of Love. And mine was on that. And it, then it was as if I had dedicated a Mariah Carey song to a little school girl. Oh, God. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, hopefully no one I know ever heard that. And it only exists in my mind as a horror story. But it was... <laughs> It was, yeah, it was horrible at the time, and I'm glad that it happened now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. Maybe stronger. But, uh, Robbie, what was the moment, because I, I love that, but, like, what was the moment where you where you said, you know, this is what I want to do with my life, you know, growing in Knoxville? Was it around that time when you were, like, listening to radio? Yeah, I was in, I knew that, like, I wanted to be a DJ for a while. Like mm. at that age, I was like, oh, that, cause that felt like I would just be making mixtapes for a living. Um, cause I used to make a lot of mixtapes, like real mixtapes. 
And you were like the mixtape guy in school because this oh, kind of was, yeah, okay. at least among my friend group. And like, like I, my fr- I have a friend, Beth, who just still is just like, all the music I know about is because of your mixtapes. Like, so I would make mixtapes and I would like kind of be artistic about it. Like, sometimes I'd cut in like me saying something or like a clip from like Good Morning Vietnam, like a little like comedy string. Oh, or, like, God. Just so that it would like keep the, you know, keep the energy going. <laughs> um, yeah, that was like, that was like how. I expressed myself musically, I guess, until um, I took guitar lessons, but I wasn't disciplined or too ADD or something to like practice. Um, and then when I was 18, I was like already going to go to college, like for who knows what. I was going to the University of Wisconsin. And then I just like had this, I wish I could remember like the moment moment, but there was this moment where I was just like, I want to be a singer songwriter. Yeah. And so I just like got more serious about learning guitar at least enough to like not have my fingers hurt and like have to search for chords yeah and, uh you know took those like house of the rising sun guitar lesson chords and just started trying to write songs and they were really bad for a long time but i was just like isn't this great isn't this great and everybody's like yeah it's really great and then at some point it was like it seemed like they were telling me the truth like i guess f i think when i was about 21 i like they stopped being really bad like they went from really bad to like pretty bad, and then they mediocre. Went, you got it to mediocre, yeah. To like good, yeah. And then people were like, "Oh, like yeah." And then by, I moved to Nashville when I was twenty-seven, and by then, like, I had like a pretty decent amount of like songs that were pretty good, and they just kind of been going with that. I've been here at eighteen years now. Eighteen years. That's owning. Yeah, owning. But but when you started there, Robbie, like you know, when you were like, "This is what I want to do, and I want to write songs." Like, where, where do you start? You know what I mean? Because, like, you know you want to do it, uh, but the idea that you could actually do it, you know what I mean? Like, so many of us think, oh, wow, like, it would be really cool to do it, but then we don't do anything about it, and, you know, nothing ever happens. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I think from, like, from the, from when I decided that I wanted to do it, it felt like I could do it. I don't know what that was. I mean, I knew I, like, I knew I was a good singer. Like I was in like singing groups in high school. Yeah. Like, like begrudgingly because friends would be like, you, you should be doing this. And I'm like, I don't want to be in front of anyone. But then I like did the tryout and then let me into the thing. So then I was in like the chamber singers or whatever. Um, but so I knew I could sing. I just didn't know if I could write songs so that I just liked songs so much. I was like, I think I could probably do that. And then I didn't do a very good job of it for a long time. Yeah. And then I, and then it started to get, you just went on it better yourself into the water, basically. Yeah. Cause for a while you're just sort of writing what you hear. Like all of my songs sounded like Adam Duritz wrote them. And then all of my songs sounded like Ben Harper wrote them. And then, mm. and I was kind of singing like Ben Harper, but then I was, then I found out how to not do that. You know, it's like for, it's like you get sucked into this, like, I'm going to be, what I think a songwriter is because these other people are doing that. And then you're like, Oh wait, I can be like me as a songwriter. Yeah. That took a little while. I love it. Like a solid four or five years of just like figuring out what I actually sound like. I love it. Robbie. Tell me about your, your time in, in France, Robbie, because I, I know you've talked about it before, but you know, you're, you're in Wisconsin, you kind of graduate or, or right after you were like chasing a girl, right? Or, or was it like artistic or both? I was chasing a girl. It was, yeah, it was out of college. So, so my roommate, uh, in college and best friend, um, 
he had started dating somebody and she had moved to France for like to do a teaching English abroad program. Um, and then I also liked this other girl and she was her roommate in France. Mm. Roommates or did they just, no, she wasn't her roommate in France. There was another person who was a roommate in France who became my wife later, but that's totally separate. So my best friend was like, we should go Eurail around Europe for a while. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. But he secretly just wanted to hang out with his girlfriend who was in France. And so then I kind of got dragged along and then I ended up hanging out in France. Mm. my friend and his girlfriend. So you were like an international third wheel, basically. Yeah. And then and then her roommate, Annie, became my wife later. But that's like not the girl I was chasing at the time. At the time, I really liked this other girl. And she was friends with my friends. That doesn't even make sense. But no, I follow you. Also, with Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. And then she came over eventually, too. And then we had our French thing. Well, they had their French thing. Yeah. It was a yeah, real real uh turning point build hanging out in France for no reason for a few months. Yeah, no, I I love it. I mean it sounds like you know, like a sad graph early like mid two thousand. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know yeah, what I mean? We go into Paris. We were in Fontainebleau, so it was like I think it was like a forty minute train ride. Yeah. It was like a little town that only existed because Napoleon had a summer chateau there and they had turned it into like a tourist attraction. Um and the gardens were the park and there were peacocks walking around. It's a cool town. But I would take the train into Paris and then go, like, bring my guitar into some random bridge and sit there and try and get people to give me euros. How, how did how did that go? Because, I mean, I, I admire buskers, whether it's in Broadway, Boston, or wherever, but you do it yeah. like, Europe. Different barrier. You know, you're, you're singing in English about, like, you know, really intense verses. How does, like, how did, how did you know, how, how was it? It wasn't a great place for it. I, honestly, like... um I don't know. Maybe it would be different now, too. I don't know if, like, American folk music has gotten more exotic feeling or anything, but it just felt like I was in Paris, and it was a lot of American tourists, and there was a little bit of, like, why is this kid here singing songs in English? You know? It was like, if it was between me and, like, a guy playing the bagpipes, like, that guy would make a lot more money than I would, because it felt yeah. like, like a, even though it's not French, you know? It just felt like European or something to people. Oh, it's just, oh this is part of yeah, this is part of the atmosphere that I expect. Or an accordion. You know, if I was just like an accordion guy, I would have crushed. Yeah. It was a little hard. There was this one time where this nun came over and she was like, give this boy money, but like in French. So I didn't, I don't actually know she was saying that, but that's what she was saying things and pointing to my money thing and like grabbing people. It was kind of awesome. Wow. Wow. That, that's great. Great story, Robbie. Robbie, okay. So you mentioned you've been in Nashville 18 years. I mean, you got here in 2005. You know, so, so really, like, nine, oh, going on almost 20 years next year. Unbelievable, Robbie. Um, how have the music community changed? And I think you have a great vantage point at this. Uh, everyone talks about Nashville's growth. But as far as, like, our community and our mutual friends and all that, has it gotten better? Has it gotten more convoluted? Like, how has that, how have you, like, experienced that? The community or the music? Both. Um, I mean... And it's hard to know because it's like, I think it's better just as far as like there being more, I mean, there were, it was great. Like when I moved here, there was a really good kind of like indie folk rock scene. Mm. Like, cause there was a whole group of people who beat me here. Like 
like uh, Ruby Monfu and Jeremy Lister and Kate York and Mindy Smith. And there, there was like a whole, there were a bunch of people who were already doing like eight off eight at the Mercy Lounge and New Faces and all that. There was like a whole infrastructure for like singer songwriter music. Sure. It was definitely like second to country music. Um, and then I think the rock scene was like just starting to happen. Because um, I remember there were like local rock bands that eventually kind of exploded. Yeah. Um, I think Kings of Leon were like pretty dug in here. Sure. Near the beginning of me being here. Um, and then, I don't know, I just had more and more friends keep moving here. And a lot of people would leave. Like, I think a lot of the like, they, there used to be this whole thing where somebody would move here and they'd be super disillusioned with it and then they'd leave. Uh-huh. But within a year or whatever, like, um, because there's this like Nashville mystique where you were supposed to be able to come here and like be a hit writer or something. Yeah. Uh, it just feels more like it's a just not a regular place because it's like fancier and more expensive, but it just feels less like it's this like place where you go for better or worse, this place where you go and it's just like you get into the thing and you do the thing and you follow the dream and there's a path and then you're, you come out as a hit songwriter. Right. Like, it's much more like musically diverse and there's just like a lot, there's a lot more people. There's a lot more like singer songwriters than there used to be. Like, and there's less money for people who just want to be a songwriter, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. country music, the whole infrastructure is different. So I didn't even know, I didn't even know how it compares. I mean, when, when I was first here, we spent the whole first year going to like writer's nights, which is like a whole different thing. And it's funny, like some of the people we would go to the writer's nights with who moved here around when I moved here with my friend Jason because we were like writing a lot together. Um, a lot of those people became like hit songwriters. Like, it's crazy. I have like, I had an old notebook somewhere we were writing down. Like, we did pick, we decided we were going to host a night at the Hall of Fame Songwriters Lounge at the Best Western off of Music Row. Yep. Yep. Past the circle. And it was called the Hall of Fame Songwriters Lounge at the time. It's changed names a bunch of times. Um, and like our list of like signups was like Travis Meadows is on there and like uh this guy who else was in there? There's this guy Ray Sisk who like is like the most amazing song. I don't know I don't know what that guy's doing now. He had like Warren Haynes was doing a song that he'd written for a while at his gigs and it was like a whole thing and everyone was old and disgruntled and like some of them had had a hit twenty years before and some of them were young and it was like a fun thing. Everybody was like, I feel like that that whole sort of, maybe that's still here, but it feels like it's not the same way. No, like, but it's funny you say that because when I pass by that random Best Western or whatever, like there's a lot of history there. And you were oh my God. It. Yeah, it's crazy because it's not a nice place. Right. No, I talked a- my parents into staying one time when they came into town. I was like, this is where we play all the time. And they were like, it's okay. Like, yeah, free continental breakfast. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, man. Well, Robbie, well, thank you. I mean, you got a lot going on, and I appreciate your time. And I think you're going to play a song for us, but but let me ask you about the LP. You know, the LP. I mean, the guests, the, the guests that you have there, I mean, Caroline Spence, Jess Nolan, Jill Andrews, Katie Pruitt, Lydia Luce. Gosh, I mean, many of our mutual friends, but it's just like a, it's like an, like an obscenity. It's like a Caligula of, of, of riches, of guest <laughs> vocalists. Uh, Robbie, that's I would imagine that's gotta be one of the coolest parts of of being Robbie Hay. Just being able to just call 
any of these people. Jill Andrews was one of the most underrated gems in music and have her kick ass on your LP. Yeah, Jill is the first backing vocalist I ever had. I mean, she sang two songs on my first record, then she did all the backing vocals on my second record. And then and then Anthony, the producer, Anthony DeCosta, was like, we got to bring Jill back because he we've been fans of each other since he was 14. Like, I've known Anthony my whole career, um, even though he's like 12 years younger than I am or something. So he was like, we got to bring Jill back, like from your old records. So we got so Jill came in to do that. And then he's friends with people and I'm friends with people. That was kind of how all that came together but yeah it was i mean it's fun to get all those people in i had a couple records where i did the where i was experimenting with i'm just gonna have one person do all the backing vocals and then kind of came back around to like it'd be fun to just have a bunch of people involved because then it's like a party yeah that's that's what it feels like well robin congratulations man i mean what an lp i mean uh it's 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 gonna be a hit record and we can't wait to celebrate with you april 21st i believe at third and lindsay the album well Oh, yeah, 21st. The show is on April 21st, and the record comes out on April 12th. There we go. There we go. Cool. Uh, so, Robbie, if you want to take us over with a song, I think we'd be honored. I'll do... Um, this is called Someone to Dance With. This is coming out. Welcome to my closet studio, by the way. Love it, love it. Right. This is my 855 walk-in closet slash studio. I'm trying as hard as I can To follow the steps of my well-rehearsed plan To keep my wingtips on the ground but Up in my head, I'm spinning around Working on turning your memory down I better find someone to dance with I better find someone to dance with I've had as much wine as I dare Doing my best to just stay in my chair But they're playing that song that you like And somebody's preaching about love on the mic but There's only one way I'll get through I better find someone to dance with I better find someone to dance with I better find someone to dance with I could just go walk around there's no way of knowing what I'd think about It's too late to be lonely right now So I better find someone to dance with I better find someone to dance with I better find someone Dance with. I better find someone to dance with. Damn, Robbie Hecht. 
you give us all the feels on this Wednesday. Oh the day is downhill from here. Yeah. Thank you so much, dude. Really Thank appreciate you, your time, brother. Thanks. Absolutely. See you around. You have been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in.